Um, hello. The uh, person that you hear coughing is my sister, Natalie, so you may hear that periodically. But hello, good morning, good evening. Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is episode 19 of The Glory in Our Stories. Again, this is um, Extraordinary Stories of Ordinary People. Uh, this time I have the opportunity to interview my sisters. Um, they're probably going to be doing more talking than I am, but obviously that's the point. Um, my The people that I'm interviewing, interviewing today, if you don't know them already, is Natasha Denise Pennywell and Natalie Renee Pennywell. Um, <laughs> that's Natasha laughing. Um, just to give you all a backstory, obviously I've known them my entire life. There's a certain point in history where my memory cuts off. So hopefully they'll be able to fill in the gaps. Um, I can only remember as far back as um, Franklin Street and Blytheville. Anything before that, I don't recall, obviously. Um, but I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, Tasha and Natalie, if you all can introduce yourselves and tell a little bit about what you do in the background. Oh, okay. I am Natasha Pennywell. I am a STEM teacher at an elementary school in Johns Creek, Georgia. And I've been teaching in the public school for five years now, but I've been a teacher for about 12 years. Hello, my name is Natalie. I am a community outreach coordinator for um, State Health Department in Virginia. Um, I do stakeholder engagement in community engagement, participant, engagement kind of thing, grassroots level um, resources and tool finding for um, <laughs> people. <laughs> My job is always difficult to explain. Um, so I work in public health, essentially, and absolutely love it. I've been doing it for Six or seven years since I got out of graduate school. I don't know, somewhere along there. So, I um, personally feel bad because for a while I did not know your title. <laughs> Most people so. don't. <laughs> you are not by yourself because I didn't know it until she just said it. <laughs> I actually have it in my notes. So people, <laughs> when people ask, "What are you supposed to do?" Oh, uh, give me a moment. Let me look it up. Um, so, I guess the first question would be. If y'all haven't looked over the pre-questions already, probably Tasha hasn't because she doesn't read e long Actually, emails. Actually, I just long emails. opened the email up five minutes ago and looked at them. Mm -hmm. They're actually on my computer right now. <laughs> uh, the first question is, because I wanted to center on uh, sisterhood um, leading into a discussion that's going to be taking place in January. Um, it's going to be a panel of three women, and I'm going to be interviewing them. And the gist of it is, well, the name of it is Shut Up and Listen. And apparently, because there was an incident that happened to me on Facebook where I said something and I got some backlash from a couple of women calling me insensitive. And I thought it was a joke, but it was satire. So there's serious, seriousness in it. But apparently um, it wasn't uh, catering towards um, the majority <laughs> of the female <laughs> audience. But... Um, I wanted to focus on sisterhood that's going to have a segue into, into that discussion, which is womanhood. And 
the first two people that came to mind prior to that was you two. So I wanted to interview you, not just based on that, but you all's life together. Because obviously, I only lived, what, maybe two feet away from you. But you all's room was like a completely different world to me. And I'm just curious as to what actually went Mama's phone. What actually went down. So, um, first... <laughs> <laughs> you just okay. My sister just texts my mom, but her phone is in here, so obviously she can't hear it. Um, anyway, anyway, um, the first well, when we moved to uh, to to here, when we moved to Georgia, um, I ended up getting my own room, I guess because I was the only boy. Uh, but Natalie and Natasha had to share a room for. Uh, pretty pretty long time, and I'm I'm pretty Ain't sure. Been a long time we had to share room when we went to college. <laughs> well, but, yeah, <laughs> so you can understand <coughs> both. What were you all's first roommates? In a I sense, choice. <laughs> um, I guess the the first question is, what was the experience like growing up with each other? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna let Tasha talk about that first, because I'm the one that took up her space. <laughs> Well, as the big sister, I felt entitled to have my own room. Entitled is a great word. <laughs> but, being that there were two girls and one boy, I was forced to live in a room with my sister. I loved her dearly, but not in the same space. That's because me and Tasha are very different kinds of people when we were growing up. Which is funny, because now that we're older, we do similar things. Mm-hmm. Our processes have always been different. Mm-hmm. Um, so our interests, when we were young, are very different. So I like more quiet. Tasha liked more noise. Um, Not noise per se. I like to listen to music. She liked noisy things. Yes. She liked noisy things. I liked music in the background. That's I like why. to read. I like to do other stuff. But I like to read too, but with music in the background. But you did, and I like silence. I can't do it. I don't, I, I can't read in, in silence. I can, well, I can do both. I can read in silence, or I can read mm-hmm. with things going in the background. And see, I didn't realize that until I went to college. Because, because silence. like, even sometimes when I would read, I would put on Kenny G. That way I don't listen to words. Mm-hmm. And even that disturbed me. So I had to make sure I was somewhat quiet. Which is why I did most of my reading in the car. Yeah. So. So was I noise? You were noise. It's a lot of noise in the house. It's, I'm like, we didn't grow up in a very large home. Mm-hmm. Um, very intimate space. So for me, you know, noise was noise. So I would go outside well. in the car because that wasn't as noisy. That was more controlled. But I think because, and then Tasha also liked talking on the phone. Tasha liked, do it. Tasha liked doing all these other kind of stuff. And I was and not necessarily an introvert, just process things internally. Even I would like to write notes and like to do, so it wasn't like I wasn't on. Actually, I don't even remember being on the phone, hardly ever. Um, I can't speak on that. I can't. I, I was on the phone it. a lot. You were on the phone a whole lot, so I think just sharing that kind of space and different kind of ways in which we process the life um, often clashed. But I think in the end, though, it was more of I encroached on her space, and I never thought like. This is my room, too. It is my room, but I always felt like, well, you know, she was first here. 
not had to come into a space. So no, it's like that was that's valid. It's valid, right? Well, I that's why I moved out of the room. She did <laughs> in high school. Like my things were in there, but, but she was never. I in was there. no longer in the room. Yeah, so there I, was no discussion. It was just you. I just, I just took my body out of the room. She was everywhere else in the house. She came in there to sleep. Did you get offended? No, I didn't sleep in there either. No. I no. came. I started living sleeping in the living room. I didn't sleep in there either. Not so, at all. so Mama was still in the back room. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I remember we had the couch here and the bed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was that was your room. Yeah. So you know. Which I didn't understand because she didn't have any. It's like <laughs> it was just out here. But I was also not in a place where I was judged for making noises. This is true. So that's why I left the room. <laughs> um, to give you all an out, um, outline of where we lived, we live in a two-bedroom house, one bathroom. Um, I guess that would be called the mudroom. No, it's a, it's a den. den. It's a den. It's a den. Um, our mom... Uh, being Which a, is the office, actually. Yeah. Uh, my mom, being the way she was, she always wanted to make sure that we had... Um, a space of our own opposed to herself so Tasha and Natalie shared a room across from them was my room and in the den is where mom's room slash office was for a while and then she actually migrated to the living room Mm -hmm. and that was before Tasha migrated to the living room and then she moved back is that right? No, No, we shared the same space same space we shared the same space that was bad I mean, well, we didn't. Well, I mean, I, I know that's what we have, but in retrospect, that. Well, Mama worked a lot, so it's Mama fell asleep on the couch, woke up on the couch, went to work. Yeah. So it's not for for Mama. It was a space to sleep. To sleep. Yeah. Yeah. So. But I know that in the um, the house, the apartment that we had back there, she did have a room. Yes. And y'all did, but I had the living room. room. Yeah. Which is on the. Toy shed. I remember. Wow. Because the only space y'all had between each other was the back of the couch. Basically. Mm-hmm. But we mama. The back of the couch. Because Tasha oh, had her yeah. space and then mm-hmm. my mama had the couch. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed in, <laughs> in the room when I was able to just peek my head in, you guys could actually tell the vast difference between Natalie had her quilt on the bed and then to the right. He saw pictures of genuine, immature, subway, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds of concerts. Yeah. Actually, Instinct. converted my Natalie had a single bed. I had a bunk bed, mm-hmm. but I converted mine to a loft. A loft. She did convert it to a loft. <laughs> so it was a bed at the top, but underneath was like my her work space. area. Yeah, all her space. <laughs> my music, my desk. Like I worked underneath there, and then I ended up getting bump beds too so it ended up being a bump bed and I had two beds and Tasha had a loft area so you just alternated or what did you put on your on the top I had all my stuffed animals I had art I had you know I would be painting all yeah. kinds of I was just, I was just that child. it was her drop off spot it was <laughs> <laughs> I had all kinds of stuff on the walls <clears throat> so but you know books everywhere and journals. So uh, in the house, in the house in Arkansas, the last house we were in, how were the rooms set up? Because I don't remember that. I don't either. Well, you 
our room, we had bunk beds. Me and Natalie did. Mm-hmm. And I was on the top bunk, and I was on the bottom. You shared a room with mom. Really? You were baby. Across the hall. So then we moved here, you were just turning three. You were baby. But I, re- I remember getting you, on uh, Chubby's motorcycle. Yes. Yeah, but you were just two. We moved here in 89 or 90? At the 89, 90. 90. I was 8. Turning 9. You were 7. Turned 7. I don't know how old I was. I had no idea. But yeah. But that's how. And then there was one bed across the hall. There's a bathroom in between us. Then you had a living room, a kitchen, and a den. And the den is where the... Um, it was an, a couch and a TV in there. And to the side of that where they had the tree for Christmas? The tree was in the living room. Beside the TV? Yes. Okay. Let's also note that Tasha has a photographic memory that we do not. No. So no. I don't remember anything about... I remember... Well, she still has a photograph. She's always had a photographic memory, so... So you remember the house, was it Osceola? Yes. What was the trailer? Yes. So how was that set up? There is uh, a bedroom all the way at the end of the hall. Then there's a bathroom. Then there's a bedroom. And then there's a living room. And there's a kitchen. So when you walked into the trailer, mm-hmm. you're walking into the living room, but to your immediate right was the kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's a very small space. And I think I've only seen one photo of that. Apparently, I was watching TV. You've seen two. The photo of you looking out a window with that onesie on. I don't remember that one. Well, the photo of you, you with your hands pressed against the window, and you're looking out the window. That's in the trailer as well. That's the day that you thought that Dad was taking me from you. But we were just going to the store. <laughs> So where were you? You obviously in the house. You don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, y'all yeah, probably already touched base on this. So what are some differences and similarities between you all that are obviously different and some that overlap as far as characteristics and habits that you can honestly say, yeah, Tasha does this, but I do that, but we both do this. Well, I think well, all three of us, which is interesting have a level of cleanliness about us growing up you were not you didn't make your bed every day well that doesn't mean i'm not clean i know my stuff was always organized just not my bed was not made that goes to this day that would be so crazy i just don't think it's a requirement i used to to make her bed just so our room would stay look perfect yeah but see okay again organized in that one little thing Mm -hmm. so like now when i get out of bed I do not feel the need to make my bed. Here's the reason why I sleep on comforters most of the time. Except I live in Virginia now, so I have to get under some covers. Mm-hmm. But but the rest of my room is very neat and organized, except for the making of the bed. Tasha, on the other hand, would see that the room is dirty because the bed is not made. So, when you think of tiers of cleanliness, I think if you think of the three of us, it's Natasha, OCD, near OCD, maybe undiagnosed yet. And then you, because you're very meticulous. 
You're very meticulous in what your stuff. So you place me above you? I always oh. thought was, I thought I always thought I was at the bottom. Did you? No. Mm-hmm. No. You're not. Uh-uh. I'm like, because... Nelly is... My stuff is organized, it's clean, You know who's at the bottom? <laughs> well, it's Mama. But Mama is very meticulous and clean at work. Yes. Yeah. Not it's necessarily... Not because all of us are so very particular about where our stuff is and where where it's how it's organized and stuff like that. So I don't mm-hmm. think she used to necessarily... She never had to do that when we were little because we were always like that. Um, I think Tasha is... Let's see... I, I'm a little bit more go with the flow you know, when it comes to certain things. I like mm-hmm. certain things planned. Tasha's very much a planner. Very much a planner. I would say that I am a planner. Mm-hmm. But if something doesn't go my way, I'm okay. Whereas you, on the other hand, if it's in your plan, there's no deviating from that plan. And if it is, we're going to hear about it. I think that necessarily is the case. See, CJ feels the same way. In comparison to her, yeah. Really? Yes. Mm-hmm. But I realize about myself, I'm a planner. I think we all are planners. And I mean, we grew up with a mom who made us have family meetings, who made us put notes on the wall, who made us put things on calendars. Yeah. Like, we grew up with a planner and it's just something that we feel is a part of life. I mean, if I did not have my phone but with my calendar or my physical calendar on my desk, I don't know how I'll get through. I need to know what I'm doing from day to day. And to make sure I'm able to do other things and not overbook myself. So when, you're, when your plans are completely broken, do you have contingency plans, or do you, like, you know, you're initially upset at first, and you say, okay, like, this is what I have, so this I have to work with it. If or, I move stuff around in order to get that particular thing done, I would be a little pissy about it. Like, mm-hmm. if it doesn't work out, because that means I could have been doing something else yeah, that's instead of this. But, like, if I had planned something and it doesn't work and I didn't have a contingency plan, mm-hmm. like, I mean, if something else didn't get moved around for it, I'm not going to fall to pieces. It's like, I find something else to do. So I've gotten a lot better about that as I've gotten older and I stay overbooked. Like, I stay very busy. So I'm okay when I have nothing to do now. Like, so, you know, it's 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 fine with me if something gets canceled, something gets rearranged. It's, you know, it is what it is. Only when I have paid for something or I have moved something in order for that to get done yeah. and it falls to pieces do I become a little... You know, testy about it, but other than that, you know, it is what it is. I think because I stay, I stay so very booked. You know, like I stay doing a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. It's, I think sometimes, look at kids now. I'm thinking like you are completely overscheduled for no reason whatsoever. You're eight years old. Why do you have these many things to do? And I'm like, I'm over thirty. I have way too many things to do. You know, it's like it's just it's unnecessary to be this busy. So, um, so the planning aspect, I do like to know what I plan to be doing for the day or what's happening. Or, but I also like to socialize and I like to do certain things. I like I have a lot of philanthropic kind of things that I do. I have social circles that I like to be a part of. So the planning part, I think, is essential. Like Tasha said, so that I don't overbook or I don't overlook 
or something like that. But I don't fall to pieces. Like, I'm not going to make other people uncomfortable if something doesn't happen or take place. So, I'm not to that point. I think my, my problem was anything, if I feel that I have a hand on it that and it doesn't go my way, but I felt like it could have, if I if I take control of it, like if I if I have a say so in it and mm-hmm. it doesn't go right, that bothers me. But if it doesn't, I've learned to just back up and just let it go. But I, I used to hold on to that because in the back of my mind, like if I would have just did this, it would have went the way it was supposed to go. I think all of us have some controlling factors. Yeah. All three of us do. I'm like we're just controlling about different things. So, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, I know that I'm particularly controlling about certain areas of my life because I don't want surprises in that area of my life. In certain areas, I'm like, I'll just let somebody else take the reign about that because it's not something I'm so interested in that I have to have full control of that. So, mm-hmm. which I think is healthy. I think it's unhealthy when you have to control every aspect of your life and other people's lives. Then it becomes a problem. And so, and and hopefully, thankfully, prayerfully, I don't, I don't think any of us have that problem. So, so when it came to choosing a college, what influenced you in making that decision, as far as where to go to school? It'd be okay. far enough that somebody had to call. Well, for me, <laughs> that was my only criteria. Uh-huh. Oh, and then Mama didn't have to pay for it. Oh yeah. For me, I wanted to pay for most of my schooling. That's why I waited a year before I went to school. Um, and I honestly, and I know this sounds bad, I hated school. I hated everything about it. And I, I did not want to be here. I didn't want to be in Thompson. That's the only reason why I truly pursued going to college. Cause I didn't want to be here mm-hmm. and mom said that she loved Savannah and I was like oh why don't I go to a, a school where my mom loves to be that I applied to the school not knowing anything about it got into the school um, the first time I visited the school was freshman orientation <laughs> yes and hated it completely yes yeah. completely hated it then I wished I would have gone prior because I wouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you made lifelong friends there. Yeah, I made my most, the people that I love the most in life I met at that school. But if I would have gone to visit that school, I, I don't like Savannah, so I've never would have gone to Savannah State, mm-hmm. which made it easy for me when I realized that I didn't love it, to transition and go ahead and go to the Art Institute that was in Atlanta, and for me to just, from there, just stay in Atlanta. So what changed your mind from becoming a, because you were an art major, mm-hmm. and then you changed it to uh, early child, child care development? Was I was, no, my first major was computer science. I did not know that. Yes, I was a computer science major. At Savannah? Mm-hmm. The only reason why I didn't continue computer science was because I didn't understand my professor's dialect. Yeah, I knew it. It was 
it was, I didn't understand what they were saying. I didn't see how I was going to be successful in my field if I don't understand what they're telling me. So I decided to change it and do something that I quite sure my professors would be clearer, more clear. So I went to the Art Institute. Then I went and changed from media arts and animation to early childhood education. Because when I was doing media arts and animation, I liked it. Um, however, projects, I was up maybe 36 hours or 48 hours trying to complete a project. Um, the teachers, the, the art field is really, 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 really strict. It's, um, teachers yell at you all the time. Um, if it's not perfect, it's not worth it in the art field. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a person who deals with conflict that well. I don't like to be in that type of negative environment. I felt like it was very negative for me. Mm -hmm. And I also didn't love it. So I didn't feel like I should continue a degree in a field that I did not love. And yes, I would have rather stayed with computer science. I would have rather stayed with media arts animation for the money. But I love working with children. So I was like, why not do something that I love? So I went to education where I do at least love. I don't love my pay, mm -hmm. but I do love what I do. So. Which is a problem with a lot of educators in the system now is that they're doing it probably expecting I don't know what to expect because the pay is, especially here, it's not as, as great. Oh, it's more across the United States than America. But to, but you would assume that knowing, going into this field, what you're getting into. You do, but education is constantly changing. The politics behind education is constantly changing. The students yeah. are constantly changing, so you can't really predict what you're getting into. So at the end of the day, you just have to ask yourself, is this worth it? Do you love working with children is what you have to ask yourself. Do you love making a difference? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't, you're not going to love your job as a teacher. Now, do you think, obviously, I mean, it would have been more challenging for you if you were in a different demographic as mm -hmm. far as group of students um, opposed to where you are now. Mm -hmm. Do you think that would have changed your point of view no. on education? I, I've taught, when I went to school, I had to student teach for two years. Mm -hmm. So I taught in a Title I school, which was um, maybe the demographics, 70% African American, 10% um, Hispanic, and then, you know, you had your other. So I've done both. And it's, it's challenging both ways. And I think at the end of the day, I still would feel as if, I still love what I do. I still deserve more money. Yeah. I, and I've noticed between uh, Columbia <coughs> County and Richmond County, obviously, the difference <coughs> in privilege. But I've learned that despite that, there are still issues. Mm -hmm. They're just different. Yeah. They're there, and they still cause problems. Mm -hmm. um, but for an educator to pay attention to that and not discriminate, I think that's what it, very important, and I wish more educators did. Folks are looking at a student and say, "Oh, that's nothing," because your your parents are able to afford this and that, but that child is still being deprived of something. And I've noticed that just tutoring. So, but yeah, I would I would have never guessed. I never knew that was your initial major. I always thought it was art, and then you changed it 
after AI. Yeah, it, was, it was computer science because I, I remember seeing um, the salary coming out of computer science. I was like, yep, that's where I need to go. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you, Matt? As far as uh, what school. makes you decide to go to? Uh, well, I just didn't want to pay for school. Well, I didn't want didn't want mama to have to pay for school or have to take out loans and I didn't want to do that either because mm-hmm. I always had issues with money and debt. So um, so when I decided to go to school, I was good at math, I was good at science, I was good at a lot of different things, but I wanted to go to law school. At the time, this school had a joint program that if I got accepted, would automatically accept me into law school if I got into that program. But they lost the program but I was still on a full ride. Mm-hmm. So that's how I ended up in biochemistry. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I loved it. Got to travel the world, do a lot of different things. And by the time I got to my third internship, second or third internship, I got introduced to public health. And it was a perfect marionette of people, um, community access and science. So, figured out, I said, oh, well, I can go get my master's in this and just do some community health kind of stuff. So that's what I ended up doing. And so I ended up going to school for something else and being introduced to the field that I now work in. And were you curious as far as when you went to uh, Voorhees, mm-hmm. knowing that it was an HBCU, mm-hmm. how, how was that experience for you? I think there's nothing, this is just a personal perspective, <laughs> I think um, HBCUs are in, an invaluable experience for um, people of color, um, it's particularly in an undergrad setting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it gives you a lot of, it eases you into college life. Um, it creates a family environment and um, an environment that introduces you to, introduces you to certain sectors of, of culture, different cultures. and our culture as a people in a lot of different ways and um, I enjoyed seeing um, different perspectives across the diaspora. It was really, it was eye-opening and exciting and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. So I was happy about that part but at the same time anybody that's gone to HBCU understands that it's a certain experience that goes with HBCUs yeah. that, um, that you know the resources are not always there um, organization is not always there um, but the root of who you will become as a person those ingredients are there and I think that's what's important so um, so that's what I loved about going to an HBCU I didn't um, know Savannah State was an HBCU before I went there I know you didn't talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm just not finding out that, that you said that Yeah, I did not know that so um so yeah, so I and the only reason why I went is because my god my goddess counselor introduced because she knew what I wanted to do and she saw this wonderful program. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, you know I was set to go to Georgia Tech or something, you know, like um, give me some money, I'm going somewhere else. But when I found out they had that program and I didn't have to pay for a lick of that school, I was like, yeah, buddy, let's go. So um, so that was my thing, and I applied to a lot of different schools and got to a lot of different schools. But my number one thing was not having to pay for school, yeah. and so um. That was the number one thing for me. So, um, so yeah, so that was how I ended up going to that school. And as far as my field, um, and it's so interesting that 
Nobody in my family truly understands what I do. <laughs> um, it's not a not understanding. As far as the title. We I just guess. didn't know like what you actually did. Like in my field, you know, you either a principal, mm-hmm. assistant principal, a teacher, mm-hmm. superintendent. Oh yeah, mine is not clean cut. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's what you mm-hmm. are, but then you have a title that has a lot of words in it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, I just say public health. It is public health. Because she mm-hmm. works in public health. What her title is, I'm not going to text her or ask her again because she's going to get frustrated. <laughs> Which is why yeah. I left a note saying this is, when I text you, uh-huh. I copy and paste it and I put it in, in my there. note so I can actually tell people this your is full what title. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's to me, it's not necessarily the title. I think for me, it's important that um, communities understand the power of their voice when it comes to their health. Mm-hmm. and well-being and their quality of life and making sure that they weave and understand the power that they hold um, to make sure they hold people, stakeholders, decision makers um, accountable for that quality of living. And you can't do that um, if you're not included in the conversation when it comes to your health. Yeah. Um, and also you can't do that if you don't understand the moving parts um, that go into the decisions surrounding the environment um, that informs your health. So, when I say I do community engagement, it very much is from participant all the way up to um, legislators and community stakeholders just to make sure the conversation is open and inclusive um, and that people understand not only their civic rights, but also what right do you have as a human being regarding clean water, regarding access to food, regarding um, safe um, environments, regarding... Um, making sure where you live, work, eat, play, worship are inclusive environments and communities that take in every socioeconomic status and um, that the choices that you make are not limited by the color of your skin or by the amount of money that you make, but that you have a well-rounded, quality, um, healthy life. So... Years ago, when you were promoting um, not just people in general, but us to vote, I realized that you were doing that because you were you were not saying it because we not only earned the right, mm-hmm. but this concerns you. I was very personal. Yeah. You know, I've always been that person that's been like, civic engagement is very important to me. That that you sit there and you take you very serious about making sure that people who you vote for actually represent your voice. Mm-hmm. Um, that when, and not even just to just vote for, but even like, because I work in government, so I have to be a good steward of every Virginian's dollars. And not just Virginians, because I work for a federal program. So not just Virginians' dollars, but people, you know, citizens' dollars, because those dollars come into our program as well. So it's, is making sure that you understand all the aspects that go into making those decisions when you go into a ballot box. It's because I just don't understand why you would not vote and then not only, well, not even not vote, but when you do vote, not hold the person accountable for the decisions that they make on your behalf. Uh, so. One thing on this, one more thing on this. What would you say to those, because last year they were promoting a lot of African Americans said, please get your vote out. We don't want mm. him in office. But due to the turnout, 
mm-hmm. a lot of us voted anyway, and then it came out the way that it did. Now, that would appear discouraging to a lot of saying, well, we were encouraged to vote, but this is the outcome that we got. So what do we do next? What would you say to those who probably lost faith in the system and the process of making it's sure that... It's not about a system. It's the fact that you have the right to be heard, right? Like, for me, well, it's... Well, some it's, might feel like they're not because they Well, you do. Against. You have a right to vote. I it was a time that. in history where you did not have a right to vote. But the effect of it, the effect of voting, for them to say, okay, I'm able to vote, and I did vote, uh-huh. but we have somebody that's completely opposite of our... And that's democracy. Yeah. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's democracy. So you have a right. You executed that right. The outcomes will not always be in your favor. But thankfully, they cannot because it's a democracy. So if we did not have a democracy, then it would be predetermined, which yeah. we don't want. So yeah. I'm okay with losing. I'm okay with not getting my way all the time. What I'm not okay with is... If I have elected someone on my behalf, right, you know what I'm saying, and they do not exercise or express my views as a um, as a constituent in their district, yeah, I'm more concerned about that problem than I am that this person that represents everybody, Mm -hmm. and since the majority of everybody that voted for this person, they may be speaking on their behalf, just not on the minority part, which is what I may be in, you know, so. That's a different situation. So okay. I'm more concerned about somebody executing their right to vote and then holding specifically those people that are whom they are constituents of in extension of this other person I'm accountable for what is to be said on their behalf, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I wouldn't get discouraged by it. I would just make sure I continue to voice and continue to um, be a part of the conversation and in, in, um, encourage other people. I'm always encouraging Tasha to be a little bit more active <laughs> um, in, in, in these different situations. I think I rubbed off on my sister in a good way. Sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. Um, but I think it's also, um, when you talk about that element of sisterhood, I'm a part of a couple of groups in which sisterhood is a major focus. And for us, we're always, you know... One voice is is critical, it's important. Mm-hmm. But when you get a mass of voices together as a collective, yeah. um, even if you are not the majority, you're at least loud. You're at least, you have a seat at the table and it's better than not having one at all. You may not always get what you want at the table, but you're at the table. Mm-hmm. So um, so it's those kinds of things. Um, I'm going to the, going into a, a different direction, but they're pretty much, has an aspect on the decisions that you all made up to this point in your life. Um, we can all agree that mom has exemplified the idea of not just, not a perfect parent, but a good parent, but somebody who has gone beyond all odds, did as much as she could to make sure that not only our lives were in order, but hers as well. Um, and she had certain setbacks due to the fact that she was a single parent but if you can name one person who or maybe two or three that greatly influenced you who would that be depending whether it be a woman whether it's a woman or a male could you pinpoint somebody that actually influenced you beyond to actually make 
decisions towards what you wanted out of life? Well, initially, it was mom, but um, as I continued to further my education and um, getting to be able to befriend a lot of older adults. Um, older than mama? No. That's older than me. Okay. Like, um, me. like Chad and Dorian were a huge influence on me in grad school, even now, with my life. Because I get, to, I get the opportunity to see it and hear it from a male's perspective when I never got that growing up. Yeah. Which is great to hear that encouragement and to talk to me on, a, you know, on that type of level. To tell me, um, this is your potential. This is what you need to do. Don't settle for this. Like, I, hearing it from mom is awesome. I love my mom a lot. But, you know, also being able to hear it for, from a male because I didn't have that male in my life was, was pretty beneficial for me. Even like to today is they, they are like, if sometimes I just call them or text them and ask them like some advice and they always give me some solid advice. Cause I am, as of right now, I love being a teacher, but I do want a career change. I, I know for a fact that I'm not, I'm retiring as a teacher and I'm looking into different things that I can do outside of teaching. I don't know. I think my career path and it's so interesting and not only career path, um, the organizations that I'm a part of outside of that um, have a lot of very strong women of color. Um, a lot of strong women of color. Um, a lot of strong women of color in very influential places um, in different careers, um, different backgrounds, I'm very passionate about community and public service. And um, I will say having Mama be my initial and the epitome of all that I think is excellence in womanhood, um, I think having those women reinforce um, your greatest potential mm -hmm. um, has always been encouraging. Um, but also having female friends who who um, have been on this life journey with me for a while. I, I have a core set of friends, <laughs> funny enough, that live in different areas of not only the world, but of the country. I mean, not only the country, but the world. Um, and just influence and have those, um, what I often call courageous conversations about where you are, what you're doing. Um, I, have a very, I have a handful of male friends that um, drop in and out of my life that I'm always fascinated to hear their perspective of, on what they think um, or what opinion they have about my life. <laughs> um, but as far as encouragement, um, I think they've always been encouraging of what, um, what I would try to do, but at the same time, quick to point out um, why sometimes I'm not as far as I would like to be in certain areas of my life because of the relationships that I cultivate, create, um, or feed into. So um, I think those very strong, um, those strong women have always been very encouraging. And now it's so funny because all of them are married, except for me now. Mm -hmm. and, and their husbands are, um, 
quite funny and interesting in asking me about like why aren't you married as of yet or I'm not understanding um, or this kind of thing known them for years as well so I think those greatest influences it's interesting how yours are females and mine are men yeah because yeah. Jock is also like he's mm-hmm. a go-getter and I'm a a person who has to know for sure before I can mm-hmm. he doesn't have to know for sure he's going to try it and if it doesn't work he'll do something else mm-hmm. and he's always pushing me beyond my limit so he is also a great influence in my life y'all like I said y'all are very similar <laughs> very similar in a lot of things but our person like in in a lot of things but for the most part we have opposite personalities mm-hmm. very much so I will say that like we have y'all different, are yin yang yeah like yeah. we we make each other work mm-hmm. and which is because sometimes he'll do something, and I'll have to bring him down to professional. <laughs> well, that's the purpose of a best friend. Yeah, right? like, it's so. like, I mean, yes, I get your point, but maybe we should communicate it this way. Mm-hmm. So we, I mean, we we worked up together. Um, in reference to the, 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 the male influence, I've learned about myself. When it came to men speaking in my life, I didn't want to hear it because I'm like, you're not my dad, mm-hmm. and my even my dad couldn't speak, so nobody's saying anything to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the only man that ever actually like made me feel small and make me listen was Mr. Santiago, because mm-hmm. um, he, I didn't actually start talking, communicating with him until he got diagnosed with cancer. But he said, make sure that you are you put yourself in a situation that you can take care of yourself and your family and I saw that everything he had built up until he, he passed away and that was his foundation that was his legacy and I've never seen that in anybody mm-hmm. so but in reference to the male influence in your life seeing that we didn't have one dominant mm-hmm. individual in ours is that still a question mark for you well like, I think to be honest with you, okay. Uncle Charlie has been very, like for me in particular, he's mm-hmm. been very consistent, very vocal, um, <laughs> exemplary in, in a lot of ways. Um, I really enjoy him. Um, he has a legacy of his own. Um, he's been married for, what, 40 years? 35, 40 years, somewhere along in there. It's a long time I can't remember. Um, and... Because he has so much of Mama's personality, in a lot of ways, um, is it, I think of all the men in my life that have that have had influence in that regard, mm-hmm. he has had the greatest. Um, but you know, there's been other men like to be honest, which I enjoyed Uncle Henry, even Uncle Henry was a different kind of person. Yeah. Um, but he was still he still had wonderful examples to share, as far as fatherhood, manhood. Um, and just being present. So, um, but you know, it's it's an interesting thing when you grow up in a single family home. We have so many different influences when it comes to what's a good example and what's probably not the best example mm-hmm. of um, of support, encouragement, responsibility. You know, since since it was an everyday present, I could never say what was good, bad, wrong, indifferent. You know, mm-hmm. it. I 
don't don't know. Although I will say that I know it's what I don't like now. You know, like yeah. now that I'm older, I don't think that's a good example for me. Um, or that didn't work in my favor or I didn't like that, that kind of thing. But that but that's because I'm grown now. So I don't know, I think I'm still working through what male influence what role male influence has played in my life. I don't think I have one. Is that growing Growing up? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we had Brother Shelley. Yes, there was Brother Matthew. Yes, there was Pastor David. But I felt like those were just males that were in my life. Mm, I would agree with that. I don't think that there was a male that came, made sure it was okay, uh, a father figure that called to see if I was okay. Like, I didn't... I didn't. I never had that. So yes, thank you for being nice to me at church. Yes, thank you for taking my brother from time to time so he can play with other boys. But never once did any of those men, and even till today, keep up with me or check in on me and make sure that I was okay or give me advice about dating because they knew that my mom was a single mom. Give me the males. I never got that. So I I can't say that I ever had a male influence growing up. So what's, yeah, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but I always ask, you can be as candid as you want, but I'm just curious. What is dad's role in your life at this very moment? Right now, he's, um, for me, he's a dad that's trying to catch up. Because I think it's because I never truly stop talking to him I never we never had a falling out so I never and never never at one point in my life did I shut him out so I've always talked to my dad like since since I've had a phone I've always talked to my dad um before granddad passed I used to talk to granddad more so than dad I used to talk to him at least once a week just to call and see how he was doing that's why I took his death pretty hard because I literally talked to him all the time. Dad, he texts every now and then. He calls every now and then. I send him pictures of us every time we're together. So he has upstate pictures every time we're together. So, it's, I mean, I just feel like he's my dad. But right now, I feel like he's trying to catch up. And we're moving faster than him. Uh, you know, Calvin Sr. is very, he's a male that's around. You know, like yeah. he's, he's, I never, never had that relationship with him. Never had. Never tried to, to be honest with you. Um, um, it's like in the, in the split, I was Team Denise. It's like, <laughs> from birth. Um, why, I don't know. So it's, it is what it is. Um, I think he, I think he does try. I will say that he does put in effort these days, um, and it's like catching up with an acquaintance every now and then. He calls, he checks in, he texts, um, which is more than he did when we were children. So I will say he definitely is trying. Um, and the catching up part, I don't know if he'll ever quite get there. Um, but I also think for personal responsibility, I have been as being a place. Of accepting him, accepting him in a, in a way that allows him to catch up, 
Um, and I don't know if I'm going to be there. I don't know if I'm going to stop to do that. Um, not because I don't like them or I don't want to or anything like that. Mm. Um, it's just that I just never, you know, never thought about it. So it's, it's just, yeah, he's like an acquaintance, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, it's an interesting person to me. So he's, yeah. So I just, I don't know. Don't Life know. is upside down. Is it? See, and that's bothering me when you turn around. Because I was, I was obviously upset. Well, I'm trying to feel what? I'm trying to feel like the core of my, my anger was, I always, I always wondered why wasn't he here? That was my biggest question. So why aren't you here? And I, I never knew. And Mama explained it as I got older because some things she couldn't tell me until I was of age so that I would understand. But that was my biggest why, my question. Why, why aren't you here? I see all these other fathers and who are helping their kids, especially when I'm playing baseball. Like, all their dads were there. Mm-hmm. But mine, that's why. I'm indifferent probably more than I should I was be. there. Tasha, I was getting to that. <laughs> As a boy, as a boy, I was like, yeah, but as a boy, I was like, I was at every game. And then that's, and I I felt bad because I didn't want mama to show up in my game because I didn't want them to think I was a mama's boy. Mm -hmm. But, and even that in itself, I, my, I would, uh, I would say I'm not a mama's boy. I'm my mom's only boy. Okay. But some people like this. Still a mama's boy though, but I always thought a mama's boy was somebody that just fully depended, uh, depended on their mom. But I didn't. What's his name? Off of Big Bang Theory, cause he's a mama's boy. Sh- Sheldon. Sheldon? No, yeah. Sheldon's not a mama's boy. Oh. Leonard. No. Oh, Wallowitz. Yes, he's a mama's. Not boy. Wallowitz. Yes, it is. Oh, Wallowitz is a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but now I guess at this point in my life, I, I'm not. I'm over what he was and did, but to be at this point in your life in a progressive reality, but you're like, yeah, that it's for you to not to be open minded. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm probably more indifferent than I am anything. Like, yeah, to me, it's like a nice conversation when we have one. Mm-hmm. I give it really, to be honest, I give it no more thought than the present time that I'm talking to him. And I don't know if that's a mean thing or anything. I just don't. I think I put so much energy into it when I was a child. Mm-hmm. I have no more energy to put into it as an adult. So I just don't. So, Is But it, I'm no longer angry. I'm no longer resentful. I'm, no, I'm none of those things. Now, have you ever had anybody in your life try to persuade you to give more into that relationship? Because I've had people say, you need, you like strangers, like mm-hmm. you, really, you need to speak to your dad. Make sure you do this and that. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, but you don't under you don't understand my situation. I've had, I've had someone tell me that before, but it wasn't. Well, they didn't, as you say, they don't. They didn't know the backstory. Mm. They just, they just see because you know maybe I'm out, and I'm with my friends. I'm at a dinner, and I get a phone call, and it's dad. I'm at a dinner. I'm gonna call him, when I'm done with dinner. Whereas if his mom, if she calls him at dinner. I'm going to answer the phone mm-hmm. because she's someone I talk to often. And if she calls me, 
I need to make sure she's okay. Not that I'm downplaying that dad needs to be okay. It's that just, it's not that sense of urgency. It's not there to answer the phone. And they were like, you need to talk to your dad. You shouldn't do that. And I'm like, I understand what you're saying. But at the same time, you don't have a right to tell me that if you don't know why I do what I do. Yeah. Like, you know, like it's, I, but at the same time, people tell you that, but they don't, you can sit and act that same person. When's the last time you talked to your mom? Yeah. Like, when's the last time you talked to your dad? Mm-hmm. Now, there are people whose mom and dad are together, and we talk to our mom more than they talk to their parents. So, I guess they feel like because our dad is estranged, mm-hmm. we should put forth more effort. Mm. Yeah. But, you know. How did you uh, feel when you found out we had other siblings? Honestly, didn't. I honestly wasn't happy or upset. Told you I'm indifferent. I was it like. Is, I'm telling I promise you, it happened at church camp. People think it's cliche. I went to church camp, came back, and I had released. So, I'm like. For so many years, I was so angry at him for a lot of the things that he did, um, particularly for making Mama choose, not choose, but make force Mama to have this life that she had no choice in making. You know what I'm saying? Like she had, and then just leaving her where chips fail. You know, like just no help, no nothing. But I'm like, after really, I had that very open and honest, candid conversation with God about that situation. And the fact that we cannot control everything and he has given mama everything she needs and is equipped with everything she needs in order to make us the best people that we can be. I'm like, he, I wasn't upset. I wasn't happy. I was, you know, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. These were his life choices. He made them very selfishly, but he made them. So, um, and I can't be angry with children for being born. They had no choice in that. You know, so I'm like, these are grown people decisions and you are a consequence of, just like we are a, quans- a consequence of. So it's, I, I'm indifferent. Like I didn't. I mean, for me, you know, some people, oh my gosh, my dad had an outside family. I honestly didn't care. I wasn't surprised. And I wasn't But angry. for me, I have like, never been upset with that. And not because I shouldn't be. Is because I didn't want to, even as a child, I didn't feel as if I needed to waste that energy. Mm-hmm. But what hurt me the most was his negligence of you, CJ. I didn't, I felt like, like yes, we were in a bad situation, but mom was going to get it together. That hurt me, how we did you. Like, CJ would literally pack a bag to be to go somewhere his dad for the weekend because his dad told him he was coming to pick him up. Who's this? Several times, CJ, you had suitcase on that porch out there because dad said he was traveling through on his truck and he was going to come get you. Then ask, you, you have all these brothers back home. I mean, not back home. Back in Louisiana. 
He never came and got you for a summer to play with the boys. I mean, I would have been stuck here with Natalie, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> Why we got to be stuck? It's stuck. You it, been it privileged was, here with Natalie. It was stuck. Like that, right? So that, that was the only thing that really bothered me. Because you can't replace a father figure at some point. Mm-hmm. And you never had the opportunity to have that father figure. I think like me and Natalie, yes, we needed it, but not as bad as you. I guess y'all, uh, y'all did y'all 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 played with me. Some case I don't know about you, Natalie. We had a, a <laughs> this <laughs> all up in my space all the time. So I yeah. did not oh, know he was so much in my space. But here's the deal, like me and CJ. I think the only time I was ever upset with CJ is when he did something with the cell phone bill. I don't know whether you bought a phone or you did something on my because he was on my plan and he did a change and he was not supposed to and he did. That's the only time I've ever been mad at CJ. But I did not know that when I left for college, the tension between you two in this house Ooh. was that bad. Cause CJ was, <laughs> CJ did not understand space. He did not. Oh, I'm like he yeah. always had his own space, but just really felt as if well, he could just come that. into my space and just be like, you just do what I do. So I, you guys didn't reach out like most brothers and sisters do. We worked it out and vent. Yeah, we did. I didn't like. I honestly didn't know. I thought all thing was like flowers and roses, you know. Mm-hmm. When I was in, but also at the time we were busy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was just. CJ did not understand. To this day, CJ still does not always understand. Although, it's, you're better about it now because you like your own space. <laughs> Do all this kind of stuff. But CJ, but CJ's always been that person. If I, CJ is very loving. I'm just getting in space. Do what I want to do. Um, as you've gotten older, you've gotten better about not doing that. That's how we differ. Yeah. Because so. for me, I don't ever see CJ in my space. That's because he's not now. Even even in my apartment. Mm-hmm. CJ's, I, I don't care what you do. He asks a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I'm like. Even, but when he comes to visit me, he's not in my space. Like, I don't care. But when you're young, when I was young. What is considered in your space? CJ used to come in my room all the time without having skin. Now, you were my, you were my sister. I know. And I, I, was. Wanted, and I wanted to spend time he with wanted, you. He wanted to <laughs> Like have conversations and do all this other stuff, and I be and I would talk to you sometimes. So but at some certain what you're point, explaining though. is not him doing bad things. Tasha, okay, right? now if he would come in, CJ would come in sometime, mess with my stuff, take my stuff, use my stuff. CJ. I was never, never, ever in his space, and I understood that years ago because I was like, "Why won't you let me?" And you said, "So you have no reason if we don't let you in here because I don't go in your room." There's no reason for you to come here. And I understood that from her when she said that. I was like, oh, so that's why nobody come in here and see me. Because he was, and when I say space, CJ was always in my stuff. And CJ was in my space a lot when I was really young. CJ used to be right under me all the time. All the time. And so I'd be like, she really wants to play with you. Go play with Tasha. Now, we did play Cabbage Patch together. You and Tasha? No, all three of us. Okay, maybe so. I don't remember these things. Well, here's the deal. But 
The reason why he's probably in your space because you didn't really do anything. <laughs> what do you mean? You you among, when you do your activities, you were idle. Like if you're reading a book, you're sitting there reading the book. I would go outside and play like I was on the gym. I would cook with the mud. But you like idle. That. You're not moving. You're right. You're you're in your little area. I'm concentrating. Yes. Yeah. So he was like, "Oh, she's not moving." For me, I was never idle. I'm moving all over the place. So he couldn't. Because Nat- Natasha was gone. Mm-hmm. Natalie, oh, she right here. I can fit right here. Let me go over here. Oh, maybe that was the case. I don't know. But I was just like, I just need you to give me some space. I just need a little space. Just need a little space. But so, I honestly yeah. think, with our house being so small, it made us closer. Yeah. Because our personality is so different, if we lived in a larger house... I don't think we'll be as close. Oh no, me and Tasha, me and you probably would have never. Oh no, 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 absolutely not. No, I have nothing to say to that one over there. If if there was a basement, yes, sign me up. Mm. I would have lived in the basement. You would have lived in the basement and would have been real happy about it. Yeah. So, um, I guess I asked just one cl- one question to encompass this one idea. You all becoming the women that you are. How is you all's relationship now? Distance makes the heart grow fonder. Me and my sister got a lot closer (laughs) since we don't live nowhere near each other. I'll tell people in a minute. We have a three-day max. It's three days. Then need to separate. We can revisit a little bit later, but they're three days of in the same place. Constantly. Day by day in a consecutive order. Is the max. Then we start getting on each other. And it's not even. And I and I love you so much, Natalie. Is I honestly feel, and a lot of people think I am type A for a lot of things, but for a lot of things, I do sit back and I just take the hit when you want something done and you want it your way. I do. I, I sit you know, back. It's so funny because I feel the exact same way about her. And and the the odd thing is, I'm not the only person that feels that way. About me? Yes. But the same thing can be said about you. I know, I'm just saying. I I sit back and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, I'm going to chill. Because when it comes to your, like your birthday dinner and stuff like that, yeah, that's you. Because it's my birthday dinner. Yeah. Yeah. So I I can see that. But what, what about mama? How long can you tolerate Oh, mama! Oh, mama! Mama never gets on my. Mom, no, let me tell you. This. Mama has, because <laughs> mama does stuff. That's why. And this is this is also a difference between me and Tasha. Well, it's some. It's also the same. When mother comes to visit me, I make accommodations for mama, so I know there's certain things that she likes to do, certain things. So I prepare my home. Then I give her a tour of what she can and cannot do. <laughs> Be like, ma. This is not acceptable. You can't do this. Or you need to put this somewhere. And she does that. But at the end of the day, she knows. Like, by the second or third time she does something, I'm going to sit down. We're going to get to that point where she, I'm just taking it. My, no. Okay. This cannot be done. <laughs> Let's talk about why you feel the need to continue to do it. Because it's bothering me. And I don't like it. But I love you. And I want to understand how to do this in a respectful way. Um, Tasha will sit there and just be, to me, pissy about it, and she'll her whole mood will change. She won't say, but she won't say nothing. Mm-hmm. 
and she just continue to let it happen, and then the whole environment's mood will change because she just want to dress it. Me, second, third time it happened, let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Let's understand why this ain't working. And so for Mama, when she's in my space, because I do that, and she'll say that, because I will do that. We'll sit down, Ma, bye. Um, then we're done. Let go. We understand. Keep on working. And I always tell her, if it gets to the point where you're uncomfortable in my space, then I'm not doing my job. Because I want you to feel welcome and I want you to feel at home. So it's, I know some people are like, that's almost oxymoronic. Mm-hmm. But it is. And so I'll never have any issues. I'm like, but I never have any issues when any of you all come to my space. Yeah. I'm like, I really don't. I, I'm like, I tell you where stuff is and you do what you do. And you, but I will say you and my mom are more similar in the fact that y'all can keep yourselves entertained. Whereas Tasha, I feel as if I need to have yeah. an itinerary. So, that. yeah, so it's like, I always tell people, when my sister visits, I'm going to need to take some actual time. When my brother and my, my mama visits, you know, what we do is what we do. Yeah. They don't care if they stay at the house or they will find, or like, I can get, y'all have a key to the house, so y'all will find stuff to do. Come back, leave, whatever. Tasha be in the house and she be bored out her mind after a while. Try walking somewhere. I gotta ask my tag. I'm bored. Let's do something. Well, at the same time, Mom and CJ live in Thompson, mm-hmm. and I live in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. If I want to walk somewhere, there's a lot of things to do. Where you, your walking radius, even if I walk far, there's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I run, and then that's the highlight of my day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until she gets back home. But for me, there is, I don't get tired of anyone. I have a time frame in which I want people in my space. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot host anybody in my place for two weeks or ten days. That's too long for me. I can't even. Like, and it, it's just like I need to be able to come home. And there's no one here but me. <laughs> That's why I've never had another roommate. It's just, I need at some point when I come home, it's just, it's just me until I have no choice but to come home to somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's just the difference. Mm-hmm. So I can hold mom for, because you know, I've had mom in my house for like three weeks. Mm-mm, it makes no difference to me. She doesn't bother me. It's like, let's get away. And, and it's not her. Yeah. It's just the fact that I just, you just need... don't like, yeah, yeah. But I'm only that way with certain people because with every other person, you got to be out my house in three or four days. I, I just don't. No. Um, I'll say this before I, I close. Um, I used to think that if it was, when I needed advice, I used to think it would it bothered me that the only people that I could ask were my sisters because I would think I would, I would need to at least ask the male on certain aspects. But one thing that you all have done is you've undergone, you went through life not just as women but as people and experienced situations in a way that a typical person would. So when things happen and I have no idea how to handle them, I need a, I need a, a more concise point of view. I would ask you, and over the last maybe five years, I've been comfortable enough to ask you, and I know you're going to give it to me straight. 
Like you're not even you will tell me and then explain. Like this like I actually do you think I should do this? No. This is why. And then you tell me. So uh, but do you all do you all still ask each other for advice on certain things? No, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then well you're willing to and I'm pretty certain at certain times you disagree. But most uh, of the time. <laughs> but what is it that uh like there was, if there's anything ever in your life that you have a question to, that you specifically ask her, and vice versa, and no one else. Now you normally just calls me when it has something to do with children. For for other people, mm-hmm. or when it's happened to do like an advice for what to do as a family. Okay. What about you? What about what about? Sometimes I call her, or sometimes we talk. We, we talk about. The dating in your 30s. Because mm-hmm. it's a difficult time to date in your 30s. You talk about men. You talk about you talk about friendships. Um, relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but everybody has, like, their thing. You know, we, we know, we all know Tasha is the Pied Piper of children. Why they follow her, we don't know. <laughs> but they do. So, anytime anybody got any issues... I, I I love teenagers and college students. Give me anything with them, fine. But if you're talking about anything below that, I'm going to have to give you over to Tasha Denise. That ain't my area of expertise, and I don't want it to be. <laughs> so, um, it's, I'm like, I loved, love on toddlers all day, but that's not some in time period in life in which I understand. Yeah. Um, so, but we have a lot of different things that, We'll talk about, and I will say, and this is so funny because anybody that's around me knows our family communicates a lot. Yeah, we do. And, and it's like we we text all day long. Like it's amazing how much we text each other, how much we talk to each other, to include our mother. Because sometimes people think, oh, it's just the siblings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, like mama texting and talking just as much as the next. And so, um. I think because we communicate so often so well, um, I that's why I don't. I think we do communicate with each other as sisters. We communicate as siblings. We communicate as family members. But the wonderful thing about that, the offshoot of that is, I communicate well with other people because I communicate well within my family. Mm-hmm. So I see that as a blessing, not of just the sisterhood part, but just as being a part of this family. We communicate often. And Mama set a precedent of that, forcing us through the family meetings, forcing us to have those little after-school conversations. I guess those were family meetings just in a different setting. You know, or whenever she would take us on whatever cultural experience she would take us on or whatever. She has always been an open book um, when it comes to any question you had about her life experience and making sure that we are open about our life experience with each other and beyond mm-hmm. I think makes us really good communicators most of the time so I'll say that for me I enjoy our level of communication also I don't think although me and Tasha will get very upset with each other very about a couple of things and just be we say our piece 
go buy our business. But I rarely think that me and Tasha actually legit stay upset with each other beyond that that moment. I'm like, we don't hold anger like that. Like, we'll get really upset about something, fuss about it a little bit. Two seconds later, you ready to go to the store? Absolutely. <laughs> get on by business. Now, when we were younger, I don't know if we would do it as quickly because we would have to share so much space. Mm-hmm. But as adults, our bounce back is. So I'm like, I would never not speak to my sister. Will never not speak to my brother. I think it's so many people in the world that get upset and they hold on to stuff and then they won't speak to people for like, like months, years. That's ridiculous to me. Like I just, I can't fathom that. Even now with Calvin Senior, like, even when he reaches out, it may take me a couple of days or something to get back with him, but I'll get back to him. You know, like that kind of thing. I will never cut, like legitimately, knowingly try to cut somebody completely out of my life. That's family. I try my best to have a conversation with you first mm-hmm. and see where it goes. So, yeah. Well, um, we've actually gone uh, 16 minutes over, but I'm going to go ahead and close our interview right here. Um, Natalie and Natasha, thank you all very much for your participation. Natasha, thank you for actually reading the questions and opening the email. I really appreciate that. Um, this... Uh, This episode will be posted in about a week. So once you hear this, (coughs) the roundtable discussion will be taking place the following Sunday, and then it will be posted a week after that. So stay tuned for that. Again, this is Cowboy Pima Jr., uh, episode 19 of The Glory in Our Story.